Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Roth. I'm back in the chair. And we're not yet at the end of January. And Manchester City are 11 points clear at the top of the table with 56 points and a goal difference of 41 that follows a great win against European champions Chelsea. See what I did there? Thanks to a KDB worldie and another good performance from Raheem Sterling. This week, we'll discuss Pep and see if we all agree that he's the best manager in the world, if Grealish needs more time, and we'll look forward to Southampton at the weekend and have a quick dive into City's finances while we're at it. So to discuss this and much more, I've got three guests. Two are authors, and the other is not. But she can string a few words together when it comes to talking about City. So welcome, first of all, the non-author. You are not an author, are you? Sarah Messenger, welcome back. Hello, Nigel. Nice to be here. And no, you're right, I'm not an author, but I'm many other things. (laughs) I bet you've never written a dissertation in your life, have you, either? No, barely. I can barely string a sentence together, Nigel, as as you referred to earlier. But I'll do my best on the Man City show. The standards aren't too taxing, so I'll try my best. Well, not this week when I introduce our other two guests, they're certainly not. Um, First author, uh, football man through and through, was the youngest secretary in the Football League, a man responsible for the Junior Blues and so many other things. A great welcome to Roger Reid. Hi, Rog. Good evening to you. Good evening, everyone. And thank you for the kind introduction. I don't consider myself to be an author, even though I've got a book out there. The book actually is helping people get to sleep at night. So I do know that for a fact. And I've got a wonky um, table in in my lounge as well. It's just the right size. (laughs) And it's perfect. But but, but seriously, this is a labour of of love. I was talking to my dad about this last night. Uh, It's called A Modern History the creation of the new tier in the infrastructure of professional football, all about football in the community that you ran so excellently for so many years. And it really is a a labour of love. That's how we describe it. Would would that be fair? Uh, It took about 18 months to write in total, Nigel, and there's about 170,000 words in the book. So, yeah, you can call it uh, a labour of love, I think. That's safe to say, yeah. And who is it aimed at, Rog? Who's who's your target market? Because it's kind of... It's literally a plotted history from the start right the way through, isn't it? It is. Uh, and it was. It, I did it really purely because I thought that no one else will be able to follow the history, certainly from the early days. And uh, there were a lot of people that, that put in a lot of hard graft 
particularly in the early days, who weren't recognised, and I, I felt it was appropriate to mention them and all the people who've really brought football community schemes or foundations as they are now uh, to where they are today. They are multi-million pound organisations, charitable organisations doing fantastic work. Uh, and the work they've been doing during the COVID and during lockdown has been absolutely incredible. But they wouldn't have been able to do that without the hard work that was done in the 80s and 90s by so many people. So I thought it was right to, uh, to put on record, if you like, all the hard work that people did in those early days. Fantastic. So Football in the Community of Modern History by Roger Reed, the forward by Gordon Taylor, OBE. Uh, where can we find it, Roger? All good uh, bookstores? All good bookstores and Amazon. Thank you. Amazing. And, and our second author, I mean, he's done loads of books, you know, biographies, all sorts of Lancashire County Cricket Club, sports, Man City books. This is not his first. He's a, he's a veteran. Um, welcome to the author of Man City 50 Memorable Matches, Stuart Brodkin. Hi, Stuart. Hi there, hi there. It, it is my first city book, first football book, actually. So the others have been kind of racing and, and cricket and, cricket, and yeah. other sports? Yeah, yeah. Not, not cricket, uh, not football before this one. Your first football book. And what, what I loved about it, Stu, I thought, well, you know, I might have been to three or four of these. I think there aren't very many I didn't go to. They are really... Yeah, that's good to just, hear, actually. The ones that before I was born I didn't go to, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they're all, they're all in here. Do you, do you have a favourite, Stuart? It's a, it's a terrible question. Uh, Who's your favourite child, isn't it, really? I keep being asked that question, and possibly um, the Spurs game when we were 3-0 down at home. 3-0 down at half-time. Barton got sent off as he walked off the field. Uh, Anelka had been injured in the first half. We had a goalkeeper I'd never heard of. And uh, we came back <laughs> 4-3. And all, all the goals, all of the goals, all seven were an hour end, which was great. Yeah, but we lost very heavily in the next round to United. I think I've told the story. <clears throat> excuse me, I think I've told the story on the podcast before that I was at that game, but I couldn't get a ticket at the City End, and I was at the Spurs End with my yeah, youngest son. And we said nothing until the equaliser, and then when the winning went in, we just went ballistic. And all the Spurs fans around us were saying, "Fair dues, mate. You know, good on you." <laughs> what a game that was! Hey, listen, great book, Stuart. Um, really, really fantastic. I, I, I love the way you pulled it together. Some great photos. Mike Summerby has done the forward for you, which is nice. Yeah, it was nice of him. Yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah. And he's mentioned about 18 times, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a, I don't know if it was a labour of love exactly. I did it during lockdown. And, you know, I, it helped me to get through it, I think. And uh, hopefully people will enjoy it as much as I did writing it, enjoy reading it as much as I did writing it. And again, best place to get it, Stuart? Uh, Amazon, as Roger said. Uh, it's in Waterstones in uh, Deansgate in Manchester, and it's hopefully it's going to be in W.H. Smith very soon. Fantastic, and, doesn't and it? It's still Roger, Roger, I think you've actually, um, <coughs> read, you've also read this, but I know Stuart's not read yours, I can confirm that. How many pages is Roger's book, by the way? Uh, how many pages? I've got it in front of me here. Roger's, page, Roger's got 325 pages. Right. Yours is 204 or something. Okay. Fair enough. 205. So there you go. So, 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 but, Roger, I think you, you have read it for a very good reason. I, I have read it. In fact, I, I'm very flattered to be approached by Dave Wallace, the editor and producer of King of the Kipax, to, uh, to do a review of Stuart's book. And so I read it 
uh, very quickly, but it, it was actually, it took took me about two days to read it, Stuart. So <laughs> congrats to you. I, I love reading books that are very easy on the eye, yeah. um, but it was fantastic very, to read. I'm biased with you, I have to say. Oh, well, bless you. Yeah, so uh, so my review is in King of the Kipaks. Um, but I think what one of the points that I made, Nigel, is that um, we, we obviously all as City fans, we weren't at all 50 games inevitably as individuals, but we can remember most of them. And, uh, and I think there are some special games in there that Stuart's identified that were absolutely great reports. And the little did you knows and little stories that he had attached to each of the games were, were fantastic. It was a fantastic book. It really was. And I hope you did sell it well at, uh, at Christmas, Stuart, because it deserved to sell well. Thank you. I think talking of those facts, the one that amused me was the the one about the ballet on ice against Spurs and, and how City managed to keep their feet and Spurs didn't. You just want to quickly share with us, Stuart, the, the, the little trick that uh, Tony Book brought with him. Yeah, well, he told the players to um, sort of file off the ends of their studs so they'd get a better grip, it would sort of get into the ice, and they, they looked as if they'd played on ice for every game. You know, uh, I don't think that would have got through uh, a referee of your your calibre that was all filed down into sort of points, I think they were. But like, uh, you know, it could have been rather dangerous, but yeah, they got away with it and they, it was a brilliant game and uh, I'll never forget that one either. Yeah. Fantastic. Well done. Um, listen, Sarah, let, let's start with Chelsea, should we? Um, and just what what a good performance we think. So in previous week we would say we kind of we've scraped through and, and got a result, and that's what champions do. But against the, the European champions, second place behind City, uh, clearly a contender for the league, but we absolutely dominated, didn't we, from beginning to end? What a great performance! It was, and I'm glad you reminded me that Chelsea are European champions, Nigel, because it, it, I'd, I'd forgotten, and uh, clearly their fans aren't too bothered about it either as they invested their hard-earned money in as many inflatables as they could find. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good performance. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a stunning performance, but it was a really good performance. And, and actually, that's two games now this season where we've been infinitely better than Chelsea and they've adapted their tactics to play us rather than us adapting our tactics to play them. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you mentioned earlier some of the people who had a good game. It's great to see Sterling playing much better, much more like the Raheem that we know and love. KDB is not 100% the player we know he can be, but I'll take Kevin De Bruyne at 70% if he can knock in goals like that. That's a couple of times he's won us a 1-0 game against Chelsea with a great shot from outside the box, isn't it? Um, and there were plenty of other good performances as well, which I'm sure Roger and, and Stuart will mention. So just really, really satisfying, enjoying, enjoyable game. And, you know, let, uh, City fans never get complacent. I mean, all this talk of, oh, we've won the league, haven't we, is an anathema to me and I think most City fans. So... I'm very happy to have the biggest gap possible between us and anyone else that has a chance of winning the league. And it's certainly not that team from Stratford. Uh, and we might well come back to that. Not not the team from Stratford, because I don't like mentioning them, as you know, but uh, more about kind of the gap and, and the league title. So it's a question I'm asking everybody who's coming on the show in, the, in recent weeks. But, but Roger, what, what pleased you particularly about the performance against Chelsea at the weekend? 
Well, I, I think again, I've said before, Nigel, that um, the performances of all eleven players was was really good. One or two people I've noticed have have mentioned Jack Grealish and thinking they could get a little bit more out of him, but he contributed to the victory. You know, what, what you've got to remember is that uh, we try and dominate the ball, we dominate possession. Chelsea uh, tactically on Saturday were lined up with a flat back five. And then four very close in front so that the little pockets of space didn't really open up for us as much as they would do uh, in, in normal uh, conditions. So it was always going to be a tight game and it was always going to take a goal of the calibre that scored by Kevin De Bruyne. But the one that caught my eye was Raheem Sterling. I think last time I came on the programme, Nigel, I was, I was saying, look, Raheem will come back. You know, he's a bit low on confidence, but he'll come back. And he has come back and he, he is absolutely on fire at the moment. His performance on Saturday... Uh, w w was really to behold. It, it was it was top. It was world class. It really was, uh, and it's great to see. And when you consider the performances we're getting from other people who are also stars in their own making, like Cancelo and Bernardo, you know, it, it, it's fantastic to have them all together in this wonderful, wonderful team that Pep's put together. And Stuart, that sort of Roger leads me very nicely onto the point I was going to make, which was this is a real team performance, and and you see the way that they. They, they harry and they chase and they press like I've never seen before. You know, they lose that ball and they, they absolutely want to get that ball back. And, and you don't see teams doing that. And for 90 minutes, it's not kind of the first 10 minutes and they, and they slack off. They harried and they chased all game, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of commentators say, you know, it's um, the teams that we play against get tired out chasing the ball. But how much energy do we put in? How much do we expend? Mm -hmm during 90 minutes, probably more than any team in, the, in that division, any team in the world, possibly. Um, I remember Barcelona coming to uh, the Etihad some years ago, and I, I couldn't believe how many, every time we got the ball, I had three players, three Barcelona players around that player, and it happened all, all the way around the pitch. This is what we're doing, and we're doing it brilliantly. I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with Chelsea. They didn't show a lot of ambition. Maybe if they'd have scored early on, they, they would shut up shot probably. But they didn't. I thought they would go for it and give us more space, but they never did. They didn't. They didn't really look to me as if they were thought they could win the game, and that was that made it into a game where it was just over again. You know, attack the defence as as it often is against the poorer teams. But they're not one of the poorer teams. They should have come out all guns blazing, given us some space. We'd, we'd probably beaten three one. You know, but. They didn't. I, I was disappointed with their lack of ambition, uh, which I think proves how good we are and that teams just don't feel confident about coming to the Etihad or playing us anywhere and getting a result, you know, or getting a win anyway. This programme might be all about the superlatives. I talk about Pep being the best manager, Sarah, in, in the world, potentially, and we'll, we'll come on to him shortly. Um, but in terms of Kevin De Bruyne, uh, and you said already you'll take a 7% De Bruyne any, any day of the week. But just, first of all, I have to say, and Cancelo's already been mentioned, and I, I just want to talk about his pass in, in that move. But just for me, that just says everything that you need to know about him. He, he hardly looked up. It was perfectly weighted. It was in absolutely the right, right place. KDB didn't have to change his stride at all. It's just that just everything about that is just so, tells you what a wonderful footballer he is. That aside... De Bruyne then took over, and it wasn't easy. He was, he was quite far out from goal. He had someone at his heels, and he still had to finish it as well. I mean, just all round, how good is he, Sarah? 
Well, he's world class, isn't he? I know. I know. We've had the debate about what you know. What, what does world class really mean? But he is world class. He makes a difference in big games, and he plays football. And certainly, he can pass a football in a way that you see very, very rarely in other players. There's something about him which is different to a really good midfielder. He's beyond that because he can change a game with his skill or with his. And yet he works as hard as anybody else. He sets, um, you know, he's part of setting a tone for the pressing that we've just been talking about. I mean, it wasn't just anybody that was at his heels on Saturday. It was Kante, who, you know, is is a player I think a lot of us admire and is tenacious and uh, as good as, as as almost anybody else at winning the ball back. So the way he just shrugged him off and then... The way he, you know, where he put the shot, you can. There's an argument about whether the keeper should have taken a step to his right or left. I don't really care, to be honest. Um, you, you know, the way he bent it round Thiago Silva and scored, I think, was fantastic. And it's not the first time he's done it for us. It won't be the last time. So, um, yeah, he's world class. And I, the, the, the other player, I mean, you could you could say all eleven of them were fantastic on Saturday, and they were. Nobody had a poor game, but. Yet again, Rodri deserves a mention as well because the difference he's making in terms of removing all the panic we might have had a season or two ago about Fernandinho getting on a bit, um, he is a Rolls-Royce in that midfield. And the way he breaks up play, the quality of his passing, you know, he's another another brilliant pep purchase and another one who's come good after a first season where perhaps one or two of us raised a few eyebrows, which might lead nicely in, in a moment into another topic. We, we're going to do it now. Um, per perfect segue, thank you. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of City fans, Rog, are sticking with lo lots of players, didn't have a good first season. Are you willing to stick your neck out and say, actually, a £100 million price tag was fantastic at Villa, coming to a great side, he's had a decent run in the side... He should be doing better. Of course, we're talking to Jack Grealish. Had a chance to to score a goal, and you've got to give credit to the keeper. I'm sure in those situations. But but are you willing to kind of stick your head above the parapet and say actually a bit disappointed with him, or are you going to stick to the party line? When no, no. I I think I think he's a world class player. I I think we are so lucky at the moment. We've got a a squad of of absolutely world class players, and uh, Grealish is another world class player. He perhaps hasn't hit the heights. Yeah, but he will. I promise you, he will. Um, he's completely comfortable in possession. Uh, the opposition are very often doubling up on him because they know that he's a dangerous threat, particularly down that left-hand side. Um, I, I think he is contributing uh, hugely at the moment, uh, but it does take a while. Cancelo took a few games to settle in uh, when he first came to us from Juventus. So, you know, we've seen it before. Pep uh, knows what he's doing. He's the best manager in the world, in my humble opinion. Um, and he will come good under Pep's coaching. I have no doubt about it. OK, so Roger's sticking to the party line. Um, no lockdown parties in his house, obviously, that's clear. Uh, Stuart, where, where do you stand on the uh, on the Grealish situation? You're, you're a bit disappointed, aren't you? You're, you're going to come I'm out. A, li a little bit, because... Ooh. Oh, here we go. Stuart's a bit disappointed. Go on, expand. Tell us what, why you think that, Stuart. Why? Are you a bit disappointed or very disappointed in okay. £100 million pound Grealish? I think the £100 million price tag is probably uh, a bit of a, a millstone around his neck, although he doesn't think it is. Um, he lacks a bit of confidence. He needs to score a few more goals. He needs to take on players a little bit more often than he has done so far. 
he was used to carrying that ability to winning games on his own. He's now a world-class player in a world-class team. It's a completely different scenario. He will come good, uh, just like Cello did, Rodri and a few other players. Uh, once he's got into the rhythm of training with Pep and listening to Pep, I think in a year's time, or maybe less, we'll be saying, God, he's a bargain, even at 100 million, because I think he is a great player, and I think he will show that in the next year or so. OK, so, so Stuart's really disappointed about with Grealish, I think he's what he said. Bits. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart's a bit disappointed. Roger's not. Where, where, where are you, Sarah? Well, I know you want me to say what a waste of money. Who the hell has decided to buy Jack Grealish? But I, I, I'm not going to say that. I wanna, I, I'll just make a couple of quick observations. One is um, he has two disadvantages compared to Rodri, Cancelo and Bernardo, who, let's be honest, just to pick those three out, none of us had really heard a great deal about before they came to City and none of whom cost a ridiculous amount of money. So we were perhaps a little more patient with their adaptation to the pet way of playing. We had heard of Grealish and he cost a lot of money. He's been asked to play in a fundamentally different way to the play way he played at Villa. Villa, as soon as he got the ball, he, he just went forward with it and he tried to beat people and he was the best player in that team. His game now is all about pass, move, pass, move, pass, move. And he is a world-class player, so he can do it. But adapting for a game from a game where all you did was run forward, beat as many men as you could and try and stick it in the top corner to one where if he does that with any great frequency, Pep will be hauling him off. I think is no matter how good a footballer you are, that takes a period of adaptation. So, yeah, I wish he'd buried the chance on Saturday and he should have done, really. Um, he's had a couple of other good chances in other games that he should have buried, but... The main thing that pleases me about Grealish is he's always involved in the game. He's not gone missing in any game. He probably touches the ball as much as any other City player at the moment. So, I, for all those reasons, I'm fine with Jack Grealish. And, you know, when we have a podcast next season and he's up for the Ballon d'Or, then we'll all, we'll all remember this conversation, won't we, Nigel? And how we all called it right. So, so you're a bit disappointed then, I think, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm very happy with him. I hope he's listening. <laughs> yeah, he listens every week. He does, I know. Um, listen, uh, I love him to bits, actually, just to be clear. I'm, I'm just doing my job here. I'm, uh, I'm just being difficult for the sake of it, as you all know. I think it'd be brilliant. Uh, listen, we're, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll just talk about City's finances, which is pretty impressive, too. We'll talk about Pep, and we'll look forward to Southampton. And that's all coming up straight after this break. Welcome back. Listen, it has been said that Pep Guardiola, at the moment, is the best manager in the world. Stuart, you talked about your huge disappointment about Grealish. Um, would you agree with the statement that Pep Guardiola is the greatest manager in the world at the moment? A slight disappointment with Grealish. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is the best manager in the world. Um, and he has been for about seven or eight seasons. He's won 30 major trophies with three major teams, admittedly, with major amounts of money, obviously. Um, if you look at the stats, which uh, could lie over a small period of time, but, but I've, taken, I've looked at all the stats of four different managers before I came on this show tonight. Um, at the bottom of the, the list is Jurgen Klopp, who's win, 
win percentage is 53%. It's 60% with Liverpool, 56% with Borussia Dortmund, and 40% with Mainz. Uh, next is Fergie with a 58% win record, 59 with United, and 59 with Aberdeen, obviously major teams. Mourinho is in second place in this list with a 63% win ratio, 71 with Porto, 71 with Real Madrid, but he's been with a lot of other teams as well, obviously. Pep has such consistency over his win percentage figures, 72 at Barca, 75 at Bayern, and 73 in the most competitive league in the world. 73% overall, I rest my case. Roger, it's all about the money, though, isn't it? The, uh, the, the, the non-City fans will say, yeah, you spend that sort of money, you're going to have that sort of... He's only ever gone to big clubs. Get him to Scunthorpe United and see how he does there, they argue. <laughs> Listen, he's the greatest manager in the world, in my humble view, and we are so, so lucky to have him. Um, the stats, just to back up what Stuart said, I mean, if you look at his record this season in the league, his stat is actually we win four out of every five games this season, which is incredible. His overall stat, as you rightly say, Stuart, is that he wins three out of every four games. That's incredible. There aren't, There isn't another manager in the world that could get close to that stat. In the last five seasons, when he's been our manager, we've won 10 trophies. That's an average of two trophies a season. Right. You know, the stats back up the fact that he is the greatest manager in the world on current form, on current statistical evidence, on coaching ability, on getting the best out of his players, on bringing players to the best of their ability. He, he is absolutely the tops, and we must do everything we can to keep him with City for as long as we possibly can. But, but how, and I think we all accept that, of course. And I, I'm, of course, playing devil's advocate as always, Sarah. But how, how do you argue to your mates who are not City fans who say to you that it's all about the money, uh, any manager would be able to perform at that level if you have that sort of money at your disposal, which he's had at his last three clubs, undoubtedly? I don't have any mates who are not City fans, Nigel. <laughs> Good for you, Sarah. Yes. It's a key criteria for me selecting my friends, Nigel. <laughs> No, I've got, I've got thousands of friends, Nigel, and when I regularly poll them about Pep Guardiola, um, the, uh, I'm reminded of the famous Collymore tweet about, um, oh, if he thinks he's going to swan over here and, you know, dance his pretty patterns around the Burnleys and the Stoke cities of this world, he's got another thing coming. And he wasn't alone in that. There was a lot of... I think interest, but also scepticism about whether he could dominate and produce a team that plays like City uh, in the Premier League. And that's exactly what he's done. So, you know, Roger and Stuart have given you plenty of statistical evidence that supports the fact that he is absolutely the greatest manager, I think, there's a, probably ever, if, I, if we really wanted to push it. Um, but... The fact that he's done it in a scenario, in a situation where he's, it, it's the most competitive league, other clubs spend huge amounts of money as well, um, and he's done it consistently. He's not just had a good season and a couple of seasons off, then we've come second, then we've won it the year. You know, this is relentless, and for all those reasons, he is absolutely the best manager in the world, and we're all absolutely delighted he's ours. One more stat. I have one more stat for you, Nigel and folks. 
Um, <clears throat> he's set the record for the most uh, consecutive wins in the Bundesliga, La Liga, and the Premier League. That's that's the level of consistency. Like you say, sir, relentless. That's that's the type of guy he is. That's the type of team he manages. Relentless win machines. But collectively, he, collectively, we rest our case, Nigel. <laughs> it's interesting. So, so I, I didn't get to the Etihad uh, this weekend, and I, I had to, I had to, I had the pleasure of watching it on the sofa with my dad. Um, and at the end of the game. Uh, I think very, very brightly, he, he kind of just shook his head and said, what, what are you shaking your head at, Dad? He said, what do we do when Pep Guardiola leaves this football club? Which I think shows great insight as, a, as someone who's going to be 102 this year. Um, and, and he just kept shaking his head, thinking, you know, what on earth are we going to do? So any thoughts on that? Because it's a great question. So, so one from my dad for you all. What on earth do we do when Pep Guardiola leaves this football club, Sarah? Well, first of all, we hope that the culture that permeates everything City do, both in terms of the way they play, the players they recruit, um, the sort of, you know, that relentless desire to win, which, you know, let's be, as we know, we've, we're champions in a number of the countries in which the City Football Group, group owns clubs, the, City, the women's team are not having a great season for a whole range of reasons, but they also have that same mentality as well. Um, that's what we have to hope will um, inspire somebody to want to come and work for us and and to take the team forward in the in the, in, a, in in a slightly different way, but with some of those fundamentals still in place. Bottom line is, none of us know when he goes, and let's hope it's a long time off. But when he goes, none of us really know what the impact will be. What we do know is we won't be in the mess that uh, Stretford were in when his lordship hopped off upstairs. Um, and secondly, even if we go start ending up 8th, ninth, 10th in the league on a regular basis, none of us would swap the last five years of our life for anything. So if that's what if that's our fate, we'll have to accept it. But hopefully there's some sustainability there. Stuart, your thoughts? A couple of managers out of jobs at the moment, Rafa and Ole. That's true. That's a good point. It's a good point. I'll, I'll go down and tell me down that. They're not coming here. They're not coming to us, but they are out of jobs. I just thought I'd point that out. I don't know. Like Sarah says, the ethos is there. You know, um, the culture is there. You know, who's going to take it over? Who knows? Uh, they may have somebody in mind already. We don't know. But um, to speculate this at this long range, he's got another season after this on his contract, I believe. He may stay. Who knows? Rog, 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 what do I say to my dad, Roger? <laughs> well, Sam Allardyce is available. Um, now, seriously, I would just say to your dad, savour it, drink it in, enjoy it, let it wash all over you while it's going on. It's absolutely wonderful. It's just fantastic to watch the football. I don't actually mind when we lose the odd game because the way we play, the performance we put in, is just so enjoyable. I've said before, Nigel, it's better than watching Brazil of the 70s. This, this City team is so, it's so enjoyable to watch. It really is. It's fantastic. So Sarah's shaking well, her head. may it continue. Sarah, so her dad told her about Brazil in the 70s. She's no idea what you're talking about. Um, Rog, tackle this for us. Our good friend Paul Denby Stato has, has asked a question on Twitter. Um, yeah. A question to consider. Opposing fans and some journalists keep saying we're ruining the league. 
theoretical question from, from Paul then. Would we be happy not winning the league for two to three seasons after Guardiola leaves, just so we can say it was due to exceptional management and not just the money? <laughs> what sort of question is that? Come on. Stato <laughs> Paul Denby wants us not to win the league. It is a theoretical question to, to, give, him, to give him his due. Theoretical well, question. I'm going to let Stuart and Sarah answer that because I just I just want to say make one other point about Pep, and that is the way he's dealt with the COVID situation. I, I think he deserves so much respect from people for the way he's dealt with the COVID situation. He has not gone at any time on the defensive. At no point when players have been out with COVID, as he said, oh, I can't get a team or I've got a weakened team. He's gone for it. He's gone for every game. He's put his strongest team out whenever he can. We've had no postponements through COVID uh, this season uh, where teams like Burnley, I think Burnley and Leicester have had, is it four, four games or five games? Uh, you know, I, I think he deserves great credit for that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of Paul's question, I, I'd rather not answer it, to be honest. I think it's so hypothetical. Yeah, I don't even want to go there. Stu, do you want to go there? You went there with saying how disappointed you were with Grealish. Do you want, do you want, to, go, do you want to go there with, with uh, Stato's question as well? I was a bit disappointed with Grealish, but um, that's a scary scenario that Paul's pointing out there, so I, I don't want to go there, ever. Well, I mean, Stato has to come on next week and answer the yes, question himself. Unless Sarah questions. can give us an answer. Well, I, I, it just occurred to me that maybe what we need is not... I don't like the idea of we don't win anything after Pep goes, that fills me with, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to those misery days, do we? But I also get Paul's point about, oh, they just, you know, they just dismiss all our achievements as money. So maybe the solution is, is, is the season after Pep goes in 2037, <laughs> we, we don't spend a penny in the summer transfer window and we still win the league the season after with Fernandinho, our new manager, implement, you know, just having his own little ideas, few tweaks here and there. We don't spend a penny and then they can't say it's because we bought the league. And at the end of the game, I'll run on the pitch with my dad as well to celebrate. I think just to, just to complete the picture, that'd be perfect in 2037. Awesome. And um, can you arrange for Paul to be on the programme next week to answer his own question? Please? I will. We'll, we'll get him to answer that, definitely. As we, we, we can't answer it, so we'll, we'll get we'll get Stato to do that. Before we talk about Southampton at the weekend, Rog, we, we talked earlier in the day, actually, about City's finances. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, what, what a tremendous what a, what a fantastic set of results are so not just great on the pitch but off it as well yeah um, and of course this is uh, in the middle of a global pandemic when there was nobody going into football ground so quite a remarkable set of results any any sort of insights thoughts fr from you having seen those well, yeah, just I think what we're seeing with Pep and what we're seeing on the pitch is absolutely fantastic. But you have to remember that he's got a fantastic backup team from the chief executive right the way through the club. The structure is so strong now. Uh, you can see other clubs who potential rivals for getting into the top four of the Premier League. You can see them looking at us with a great deal of jealousy because the, there's not much wrong with the City structure and the way we're operating as a club now. Um, and for the club to react so well to the COVID situation, notably the downsizing in, in gate revenue, gate receipts and so on, 
Uh, I, I think it speaks volumes volumes to the management of the club, um, and I, I just think it's a great time. As I say, drink it in, savor it while we're while we're on top of our game. You know, I I worked with people at City when they were based at Main Road in the seventies and eighties, uh, and yeah, we all we were all on a mission to to try and catch them across the road, um, but. You know, we made some hasty decisions and, and there were some poor decisions made as well. We don't seem to be making a lot of poor decisions as a, collectively as a football club these days. And certainly when you look at the signings, I don't think we've had a bad signing in the last five years. You know, whereas again, you look at some of our rivals, they've not, they've not got value for money for some of the players that they've signed, some of our rivals. And, and Stuart, just from a pure financial point of view... Um, revenues for the year ending 30th of June 2021, 569 million, which exceeds our local rivals from just outside Manchester. The first time. That, that's, that's, that's nice as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Um, I'm not a great financial expert, but um, I think the club, like Rob says, they're very, very well run. It's not the, it's not the money, it's what you do with the money as far as signing is concerned, obviously. And also the way the club is run, like you said, the structure is 100%. And, you know, it can only get better. Sarah, any, any thoughts on the, on the numbers before we talk about whether you can kick off with Southampton as well? Quick quick chat on the numbers and then, then take us to Southampton. Just to one observation, Nigel, which is when the um, Sheikh Mansour and, and took over the club in 2008, I don't think any of us dreamed that we'd watch football and see success like we've seen. We, we might have hoped, but I don't think we really believed it was going to turn out like this. But also... The idea that City would be self-sustaining in the way they are and generate income legitimately from the range of sources that football clubs generate income, I think also would have felt like it was a million miles off. So to have done that in coming up for 14 years is, I think, quite remarkable. And as, as the guys have said, just testimony to how well we're wrong. Fantastic. So let's, let's move to Southampton finally then. Um, Sarah, um, your thoughts ahead of that game? A five-nil win would be lovely, wouldn't it? I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not the easiest game. The Southampton are a bit hit and miss, aren't they? They, they've, they've had some good results and played quite well. They did at the weekend. They've also had some shocking performances, um, and so, and we've had some mixed results at Southampton as well in the last few years. So it's not a kind of shoey. No, we'll, we'll we'll just walk there, go there, and walk all over them, but. Um, I, I hope, actually, it's a good game. I hope Southampton come out and attack us. They're always better games to watch. Um, and I, a 3-1 win would be lovely. Or either 5-0 or 3-1 you're going for. Yeah, okay, very good. <laughs> one or the other. One or the other, yeah. Stuart? 2-0, Grealish, both goals. <laughs> very good. Not not like his first one, then, just off, the, off his knee or whatever it was. He knew nothing about that. <laughs> a screamer from 35 <laughs> yards, my dear. <laughs> And then the second one, a solo run, beating four men and chipping the goalkeeper on his way through. Absolutely. But he didn't score a lot of goals at Villa, to be fair. You look at his record at Villa, it wasn't, in terms of goals, it wasn't good. Um, I, thought he was like, I thought he was slightly disappointing at Villa himself. He was, he was cracked up to give himself. Rog, Southampton at the weekend. Yeah, well, we we owe them one, don't we? They they, uh, they played very well at the Etihad earlier in the season, and, and obviously he uh, took a point with, away from us, uh, and they deserved it, I think, if I remember rightly, uh, from that game. So, 
hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit of revenge and hopefully win the game. Um, I will. Th- I would go, my prediction will be there will be goals. It won't finish nil-nil. I think it may be tight, though. It may be 1-0 or 2-1. Fantastic. I've enjoyed it this week. Thanks to my three guests, to the non-author, uh, to Sarah Messenger, to author Roger Reed, and to the slightly disappointing Stuart Brodkin. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening. I will speak to you all very soon. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.